Today's episode is with one of my all-time creative heroes, Reggie Watts, who only took two years to get booked onto this program. Thank you, Misty, for finally getting through. And you may be saying to yourself, wow, that must be a lot of pressure to come up with an introduction so wonderfully weird and creative and inspired to accompany one of your art gods. And you may falsely think that I spent last week in perfection paralysis, recording and critiquing and ending up with nothing that felt inspired or correct, and ultimately with me throwing in the towel. But you would be wrong. You'd be very wrong, sir. I spent last week whittling a wand out of a plum branch. And instead, I'm going to use my creative genius to come up with the most perfect introduction on the very first take. Reggie Watts, everybody. Hey. Hi. How are you? That's I'm not a... how I actually start off. I'm oh, that sorry. isn't how you no. start off? Hey. Okay. <laughs> hey, how are you? Podcast. Done. Podcast. Um, I like to start this way, and okay. it can be as big or as small of a question, but okay. who are you? Who am I? Uh, I'm Reggie Watts, and I'm a person who has been around for a little while. I enjoy making things. There was a long time when I would think of myself as just a musician, or I would add things to it, you know, musician, actor, writer, whatever. I I, I just think of myself as an improviser, really, because I, I do all of these various things, but the method that I use in any medium is improvisation, so that's kind of like the grand unifier. Yeah, it's funny how polarizing it is for people like, oh, he's a comedian. Oh, no, he's yeah. a musician. Yeah. And it's funny how everybody <laughs> thinks of you as one or the other. Yeah, yeah. The reason why I ask is because it's interesting just to hear how people identify themselves, like rather than just write a bio. Or, right. You know, yeah. which would mostly be me stealing from like Wikipedia. Yes. Or something, you know? Of course. <laughs> like, yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's much easier. Well, yeah, it's, you know, oftentimes more simple than the bio. Yeah. So this this podcast is about you. Okay. As a human. Oh, okay. Maybe some of the things that you've learned along the way okay. being a human. All right. Um, this is going to not make sense to the listeners because it's going to be a couple weeks out. So okay. it'll seem like this longer event, but you're the first thing I've woken up for in like a week. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, oh, wow. Not last That's Monday, huge. the Monday before. Yeah, I was at the Kaiser Psych Ward. <laughs> oh, wow. Damn. <laughs> like, we need to make changes to my medication. Something's oh. not working right. Oh, you were Kaisering. I was Kaiser. You were getting yeah. Kaiser. I was getting Kaiser. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a different thing to get up for. It's quite a process. Very important. To Kaiser. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, you know they're permanent, so. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah. I'm glad to be out of bed. I'm glad. I'm yeah. glad you made it. I'm glad. That, I'm glad it's the new. I hope the new chemicals are working well. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. It. I'm always hopeful. I'm okay. always very hopeful. Yes, of course. So. Where would you come from? Because I I haven't been able to find like a in depth bio. So like, what what ended up making the Reggie Watts of today? What were the events of? What was your childhood like? Well, I was I was born in Germany in Stuttgart, and uh, uh, yeah, my mother's French, father's American, African American, American, and um, yeah, is in the military, and we just kind of. Uh, Moved around a lot in Europe, so early childhood was just moving around. I don't really remember much, but until uh, age four, and then we got my dad got stationed in Great Falls, Montana, and that's where we moved, and that's where I kind of remember the most stuff. But I don't know. I mean, it was like Montana, 
1976. Yeah, 1976. You know, Montana was a very isolated place, I guess, to a certain extent. There's a military Air Force base there, Maelstrom Air Force Base. I don't know. I guess the confluence of having, you know, biracial family, bilingual in a weird place like Great Falls, Montana. And uh, so there were no templates to follow necessarily in that case. And then, um, you know, plus the time period was, was, it's what I call a, it's the, I call it the perfect technological curve. So it's, I was born at a time where computers were not networked and home computing just started to happen in the late seventies. And, um, uh, and video games came about home video game systems, all that stuff. But so all the electronics that started to emerge in, in my life and plus the eighties was like, you know, the kind of the popularization of, of technology and movies and back to the future and, uh, Tron and things like that. Um, so, there was a lot of imagination around science fiction or in science fiction concerning technology. And we were living in an age of growing technology with, you know, cassette, cassette tapes and auto reverse uh, Walkmans and um, the personalized headphones and these types of things were all like new factors. And then also enter into the media landscape. Uh, a lot of music shows were still around when I was a kid. So I could, I could look at solid gold. I could look at soul train um, I could look at uh, Night Flight with Nina Hagen for music late at night or uh, 120 Minutes on MTV or the advent of MTV itself. Um, there were a lot of firsts that were happening. So for me, it was very exciting. Uh, if I were a time travel, I, a traveler, I would have picked that exact time period. And it's, there's really kind of no better time period in my in because now we're living in a remix culture. So the remix culture takes from all kinds of time periods and it certainly is really cool. And there's a lot of exciting things happening right now, but as a kid growing up, like where would I want to grow up with adolescence and coming of age and all that, that would be this perfect time period because I wouldn't have to worry about social media fucking with my head. I wouldn't have to worry about, you know, worrying if people liked me or not enough. Um, and also, I didn't have a, te I didn't have a cell phone. So, you know, our friends just said, Hey, let's meet at the playground or let's meet at the steps, you know, like classic, classic shit, human shit. And, uh, I think that that helped my brain a lot, uh, to have the time to, and space to be, to develop into who I am as opposed to being influenced by media. So I think it's, yeah, the multi, multiracial, multilingual, perfect technological curve, Great Falls, Montana, um, good funding in the school systems for arts and education. Um, I could, you know, try violin or viola for a weekend, see if it, if it stuck, I could take private lessons in, in school system, join orchestra, choir, art, uh, anything I wanted to do, it was possible in Montana, plus outdoor camping, boy scouts, um, four by fouring, snowmobiling, snowshoeing, building forts, uh, Montana never closed for any reason weather-wise. So we're always walking to school in giant snowsuits, you know, no matter what. And the halls were just wet with water everywhere. And like, we're still in, in class. So it's a rugged place that you kind of, you figure out like, oh, I got to know how to jump a car. I got to know how to put chains on a, on a car. I need to tow a car out of a ditch. I need to help my friend hang up his elk, you know, in the garage or whatever, and make sure the cardboard's underneath it. So it doesn't mess, mess up his dad's cement garage floor. You know, like there's a lot of 
stuff that you had to do by hand, you know, um, and uh, I think that that had a lot to do with my character as well. And then also, this is an improv. And, and then and then and then, and then the last piece is PBS. There we go. That was it. So PBS is the is the extra bit. Okay, all of that is real, right? Yeah, yeah, all of that is real. All of that is real. And the PBS bit is the most important factor. I'm just having flashbacks yeah. watching performances of yours. And I'm going, you're like, is this real? Making all of this is, is this true? It's like, no, it's true. Well, this time it's true. <laughs> Next time it might not be. Well, uh, Stuttgart, <laughs> I've been to one time. It's the only place I've been to in Germany. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was just because it was so close to Paris. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. Let's see what, what's in Germany. <laughs> oh, really? That was it? <laughs> that was it. <laughs> That's amazing. And I meant to just like... Did you go to the Porsche factory? Uh, no. I, it was just like, I was in this like shopping mall, basically, yeah. and I was in this really bad hotel. Yeah. There was a, a crying child artwork when he walked into it. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was super intense. And the toilet seat in my shared bathroom, it was like- Oh, wow. You know, you have this little room with two twin beds. It's kind of like a jail cell, actually. And then you go to the bathroom that's communal, and there was like a- Pamela Anderson toilet seat. Oh my <laughs> like, God. That's impossible. And it was just like a shopping mall. So that's all I think of Stuttgart. Oh my God. So anyway. Yeah, not not as not as uh as high class as Porsche. I love no, it. not as high class as Porsche. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Okay. That's great, man. Oh. We love that. Uh, is that the refrigerator? Hey, well, you can unplug it if you want. This Jamie is going to unplug the refrigerator. Thank you, Jamie. We're gonna see what happens. I doubt anything will happen. Well, that'll happen. <laughs> she just broke her foot, but she's doing it. She really did it. Good. And her foot's okay, too. Wow. That's cool. Normally, she doesn't survive, but yeah. she did. She's got a lot of, uh, she's got different bodies that she just transfers consciousnesses into, so she doesn't have to get a new one this time. That's good. That's cool. <laughs> I know. So, ugh. yeah. Uh, Stuttgart, great. Stuttgart, great place. Yeah. And so you're this little kid who just gets to explore and that's all of my friends who are like my favorite artists are the ones who just like they don't get pigeonholed in one thing mm. like this one guy spencer i uh, used to go by a studio and he'd be like gluing cigarette butts together and melting them with like a heat gun oh dope and that that's like one of my favorite parts about your wonderfully weird performances is that they're just they feel like you're, you're willing to explore and let us explore rather than refine it completely Right. And then share a refined process, which I'm sure there is a refinement, you know, where you can't show, share the like shitty first draft, but mm. it keeps that humanness, you know, where, where we are in an age where it's so easy to polish everything. You can polish a selfie and you can polish a video from your phone, you know, yeah. like it's not like you don't need advanced technology anymore to make things look more than human. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I, I'm definitely interested in the... You know, when I perform, it's I like just having it be in real time and discovering in real time with everybody, you know, because it feels it just feels better. It's just better for me. It feels better that way. But also, I think the audience likes it. And and then, you know, that every performance is special, you know, for for whichever one you come to see. You know, there might be like some concepts or something that I'm like on at the at the moment that I might talk about again. But it's never it's never really the same. So. That's really fun for me. Yeah, I saw you live like two weeks ago. Yeah, uh, we were down here for a couple of other guests, and you were just like staring at me and calling me Susan or something. You're like a space uh, lord, uh, oh general. Oh, what show yeah. was that? Uh, do you remember what it was called? 
Redemption. Oh, with the Hamid. Oh, yeah, that was a really fun one. That was really, that was so, I don't know what was happening in that one. But, <laughs> I don't know. What but was that was happening. some dumb shit. But it was, uh, it was really fun. Yeah. My favorite part was uh, when I talked about, uh, I forget whoever, I was just saying that there was, I was pointing at someone in the audience saying that she could change her mass at will and her density or whatever. And that, like, there was a guy trying to, like, steal her from the playground or whatever. And then she, like, went ultra dense and then he like went to, he just thought she was going to be really light and then he ended up just like pulling all the muscles in his back and all the ligaments because she was just immovable and he thought he was just going to be able to pick her up really quickly i thought that was really fun yeah there was a lot of fun things that one yeah it was really uh definitely exploratory uh-huh. one of the things i i picked up i picked up on when you were talking is you mentioned that you didn't have social media that made you worry about other people's opinions mm. and is that has that been a theme in your life? Like, especially you were uh, biracial in Montana and you just mentioned it like that was uh, a heavy influence, which I think mm-hmm. arguably we can say it of course is, Yes, but it's not, it's not quite at the forefront of everybody's like, if you, if you dig for it, people are like, Oh wow, I am really worried what other people think. Yeah. But it's not quite at the, you know, people aren't, I don't know. What's your what's your own experience with with other people's opinions, especially performing pr- publicly? Back in the day, like you know, I used to. I mean, you obviously have the approval of your friends around you in class when you're in school, and you get kind of a a sense of how people think of you. You know, it always changes. Obviously, as a kid, it can change week to week. But uh, but that's just like more of a human level uh, thing. So I was always always wanting people to dig me. You know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, when I started performing and having, like, especially in uh, high school, we had competitive dramatics. So we got to compete against other schools in dramatic categories. Or uh, So Humorous Solo was the first year that I competed in. And then the next year I did Humorous Duo. And we won state that year. But when when you're competing that way, obviously you're getting judged. You're getting scores from judges. So that was an immediate you know, thing. Or if I did a thing, uh, like a, a drama piece or a small scene at school, you know, maybe the school paper would write a review about it. And so there was that. Um, or at a recital when I'm taking piano lessons and I have to do a recital um, in front of parents and stuff like that, you get that kind of a, a review. But that's very, very different than, oh, I only got, you know, 1600 likes on this photo- photograph. <laughs> It's like, oh man, you know, I got to do better. You know, it's, it's not really, it's a, it's a form of refinement, but it's a refinement, you know, at, at the whim of the, the great aggregate, you know, which. And the algorithm. And the algorithm. And the algorithm. Maybe you just didn't post early enough. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. (laughs) That's the mind fuck of it all. You didn't hit the sweet spot. Yeah. So you're basically working for the system as opposed to just doing what you do and then getting a response. So it's, it is, there is a response, but you're responding to the system rather than you just making something and then people respond to it and you're like, oh, okay, well, I'll take that into consideration next time, maybe. But now it's like, oh, in order to attain the goal that I want to attain, I have to like figure out how to game this system, which is, doesn't produce the best quality art necessarily. We're, we're all kind of becoming free content creators. Yes. You know? That's my other problem it's and it's weird with art like this program's all audience funded right i think we could direct economy i think we could triple the income if we did ads at Mm -hmm. this point but uh 
I just can't stand that model. And so it's weird that it's like a ton of people listening to this are just based on how the system's currently designed. It's like, you're getting all this art for free. Yeah. You know, if you're on Instagram, you're getting all this art for free. The reason it's free is because you're not paying for it. Not yes. because it's free. Yes. <laughs> you know? I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. No, you're completely right. Well, yeah, because, you know, all of your data, all your behavior, all your behavior is being tracked. And then that's what drives the whole ad revenue system. You know, but there are a lot of people working against that. You know, I have an app coming out called WhatsApp that uh, will uh, just be all of my stuff that I put up. So all of my long form content will be on there. So I'll do teasers on Instagram, but you'll have to go to the app to see the full length of have an interview series. I have, you know, music videos, music, uh, whatever it is will be there and I'll have my a store on there and so forth. But what I want to do is hopefully that'll be successful. It'll be a free app. Um, the only thing you pay for is just, I just believe in people paying for things that they get, you know, that are tangible. So for me, the, I, I want the app to be free because I want people to have a good experience. But if they want to buy something directly, they just go to the store and they just buy whatever, a bowl of Cheerios that I have up for sale, you know, uh, or whatever it is, stupid shit, but real shit too. And that way people are paying directly, getting something directly in exchange. And then the popularity is just obvious because the only metrics that'll be tracked in the app are like how many sales did we have or how many people looked at a, at a video just for our, our, our side, but the fans won't be able to see that. So it'll just be a free exploration. And uh, if we take that template and we can give that to other artists to, to develop an app pretty cheaply, which is hard to do these days. But if we create a template, we can have other artists jump onto that template, make apps for really cheap. And then you have a whole distribu or, yeah, distributed network of artists that have non-tracked apps that you can just go visit and see the content and then tip them or pay whatever they're asking to pay on their stores and things like that. And that way it's a direct economy. You don't have to give away all that data for free to Instagram and for to Facebook because uh, I, I just can't I can't stand those guys. I mean, it's just the platform that has the most people. And I was on Instagram before Facebook bought it, and I knew Facebook would fuck it up. Um, and you they know, certainly have. They they definitely yeah. have. They definitely have. It's totally a different thing. It's not like Tumblr back in the day where like I put picture up, I put another picture up, I put another. You know, it's like the simple. Oh, here's some pictures. Oh, now here's some a little bit of video. Where you're like, oh, okay, I'm just following someone, seeing their life blog, essentially, uh, or their whatever's interesting to them at the time. And now it's like, okay, now we have to navigate so much. I'm constantly, anytime an ad comes up, I'm flagging it as spam. You know, I'm uh, making sure that I don't look at other people's things too much because then I get targeted for other. You know, it's like all this strategic stuff just to just to enjoy someone's feed. So I don't know. I think in the future we're going to figure out a way to have our digital rights so that we're getting paid for it. So you opt in to be tracked. If you, if you're tracked, then you're going to get paid for that, for that tracking. Cause right now we're just working for free for free. Like you're just saying, like it's That's incredibly optimistic though. Well, I mean, market forces. Yeah. You know, people get tired of this. You know, there's like service like UBD and there's another one coming up that are focusing on basically aggregating all of your social media and um, having companies uh, pay for 
your behavior. And so, and then that'll tie into Facebook and Instagram. And once that starts happening, once this data brokering starts to happen where people are like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to opt in, but I have the choice to opt in. And if I do opt in, then I'm, I want to get paid. If I don't opt in, then maybe I'm limited or something. I don't know what it, whatever it is, but that'll start to have to happen. Cause once people figure out how much money, cause I want to like create graphs that just show like how much money is made off of yourself. Like if you're the average user and, and you post this many times and you've got this average amount of users, this is how much money they're making off of you per year. So you should be getting paid for that. And once people get a hold of that, concept i think that they'll be like yeah i want to get paid for that. you know it's like no one's going to be like no nah, it's okay they can continue to use my data to you know sell me hamster sweaters so uh i don't know we'll see i think that there's a i think there's a future where the market forces will have to they'll have to respond because they've had a free run for a long time they had yeah. a good run you know as a creator what's your relationship like to social media like are you do you have boundaries with it or certain things that you do to have a healthy relationship with it because it can be you know it is what it is it can be a destructive force in your life or it can be ultimately it's part of your business i, I mean i i only use two two platforms really i just use instagram and twitter and twitter i don't post on very often uh, i use it more as a place to kind of i guess just to just to highlight things that i'm interested in or to advertise something that i'm i'm into uh, or to support someone else's stuff that's coming up it's really basic, and I like Twitter that it is relatively basic. I don't look at anybody else's feeds on Twitter, so I'm just posting and I'm monitoring the mentions of those posts. So I I don't think I've ever I don't think, this entire year I haven't looked at anybody's Twitter feed at all, and that's what I like about it. I don't have to deal with other people's feeds. And then in regards to Instagram, I like taking photographs and I like posting things that are interesting and I like promoting stuff. So I do that. Uh, like I always did with Instagram that hasn't changed and the stories components and the promote, like I unfortunately opted into, I clicked on this promotion thing that they have <laughs> on Instagram and now everything says like, do you want to promote? Do you want to promote? Do you want to promote? It's like the, like the Rick and Morty episode. Uh, oh, the second with, they know that you're willing to like pay a dollar, they yeah. just will get you from there. It's yeah. just ridiculous, you know? I mean, and and then they just keep hounding you obviously until it's like the net, what they call uh was it in, it's the, I forget what they call it, the nagging, nag something, or but it's like what advertisers will use for kids to like basically get kids to like want something so badly that they're nagging their parents and then their parents just give in eventually and, and buy the product. It's a similar thing that they're using, the tactics that they're using with the advertising and uh, and offering things like this promotional. You're a professional, so you want you want to promote on our on our thing. We give you extra analytics, and you know, can really get in that that uh, whatever what do they call it? engagement. Like in, increase your engagement and all this stuff. I'm like, I don't give a fuck about that shit, and I would just want that to go away. But now I can't because I opted in. So it's just always there. It's a stat that's just sitting there, and I never click on it. So I just have to pretend like it doesn't exist. It's really for me integrate or interfacing with Instagram is a lot of pretending certain things are not there. Like, <laughs> like, like if I open it up, it'll always go to that IGTV page that has all the interesting stuff that you're into or whatever. And once in a while, I would say one in 40 times, I'll click on something. I'll be like, oh yeah, I like that guy or like those dancers or something. But most of the time, as soon as it loads, I just hit my icon to go to my feed immediately. So I don't, so I avert my eyes, hit the icon to go to my feed, then I go to my feed, and then I check my stats. On occasion, I'll look at the normal feed to see what my friends are at. But it's really a lot of, I have to 
really be careful on it. So I just use it as advertising. I, I try to, I don't really pick certain times of day to post. I don't really pay attention to that shit. I post whenever I want to post and I post whatever I want to post. And uh, I treat it like the way I have been posting stuff since the days of Tumblr back in 2008. So that hasn't really changed. With my app, with the WhatsApp, that'll, I'll, I'll be more involved in that because I'll know I, I'm in total control of the aesthetics. Yeah. Um, and that'll be, a, that'll be interesting to like develop a relationship with the app, posting things. And... I can't wait to see it. I remember like Ello came out and I got so excited. That... I know. So did I. And then it just, it was too early or something. It, yeah. was, it was funky. Yeah. One of my favorite things about you, and this could just be a total perception, right? Because we're all looking at each other's cardboard cutouts. Sure. You know, yep. but is that a perceived sense of freedom, like creative freedom, where you don't seem to be attached whether we're going to like it, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, it doesn't, that's true. <laughs> I, when I watch you, it doesn't feel like you're performing for me. It feels like <laughs> I am choosing to watch you perform. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's sweet. And But we're, we are in a world where you're getting so much rapid feedback all the time. Oh, people like it when I do this. People like when I'm at the gym, you know? And yes. so it's it's hard... It was when I was doing sculpture, I had this one series that like I would I would make these pieces and they could sell. Yeah. And, but I wanted to make uh, guillotines and stuff, you yes. know, and bear traps. Yeah. And they just weren't selling. And so it was hard to be like, just, just make the go back to the collage things, you know, go right. back to that. Right. And so where are you trying to create from to honor your artistry? Like where what is part of your process to to keep that sense of freedom from outside forces? Yeah, I mean, for I, fortunately, I've been, have had had a pretty hard head like ever since I was a kid. So I and I'm very, I think I'm using the word right, but kind of antithet antithetical. You know, like I, I always, if something if something strikes me as having too much attention to it, I generally kind of move away from it. You're contrarian. Yeah. So like, I just have this, it's automatic. And it's not to say with everything. Sometimes things are very popular and I'm like, yeah, I'm down, I'm on board or whatever. Um, but not that often. So, um, so a lot of it is just me seeing something. You know what I, you know how I view it. I feel, I view it like, like an, an artist is essentially like your main job is to protect your source of creativity at all costs. So if someone moves in to try to compromise that connection, then you move away from that person or you decline to work with that person or you weigh the strategic value of working with the situation. If I do have to compromise, what am I gaining? You know, does that, does that allow me more resources for future projects? That, that type, that type of thinking. But most of the time I just like doing what I like to do. And I just remind people, and they're like, oh, can you do a, how about a little bit more of this, you know, or can, you want to do this a little bit more? Or, hey, why don't you, uh, hey, give me a wild, like when photog photographers, it's, I, it's so funny. That's a great example, but they'll be like, hey, how about smile a little bit more and then I'll look over here and all that kind of stuff. It, it depends on the, the person's vibe, but most of the time I'm going to give them, I've worked with enough photographers like I know the different angles. I know the things I want to try out and I'm, I'm always experimenting with myself. So they just need to trust that when they, every time they're clicking, I'm going to give them something new, but there are photographers that have this kind of process that they just used to, they're used to throwing out at people in order to kind of shake things up and get different angles and stuff like that. So I, I, it's the same thing with, 
working on the tonight, you know, on, on the Late Late Show. Luckily, my show producer, the show showrunner, is amazing. Ben's great, but sometimes he'll. I remember once he didn't say it again, but it, once he said, um, he said, "Oh, James, this is a harder show. So if you could really like, uh, he, I know I love it when you laugh." You know, just make sure, <laughs> make sure that you know you're having a good time for this or what, something like that. And and I was like, I'll. And then I just answered back. I was like, I'll laugh if it's funny. Yeah. And and uh, and that kind of like, you know, because like that's what they hired me for. They hired me because they hired me because I'm honest in the way that I do things. I'm not going to get excited about something unless I really am excited about it. I'm not going to laugh unless something's really funny. And when stuff's funny, I laugh. So. That's the one thing you don't, that's the one thing that you have in life as your as an artist is you have your credibility and your honesty and people can feel that uh, when, as soon as you start pandering to things, they can tell. I mean, even if I do, you know, I'm careful about ads and things like that. Like I did a Google Stadia ad recently and, you know, if someone sees the ad, whether they like Google Stadia or not, they can look at the ad and go, oh, that's, that's definitely your little bits ad. Yeah. So I used to work in STEM. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that little bits ad was the shit. Oh, that was yeah. the best thing. And I remember playing it for the kids. Oh, wow. That were coming through the class. Like, check it out. We didn't actually buy little bits. Sure. Because they're expensive as yeah, fuck. They were expensive. They were <laughs> but, very expensive. But we'd yeah. be like, look, we're going to be working on electronics. Like, check this out. Like, yes. this is all stuff you, you can do. Yeah. That was yeah, a great and, ad. And it feels, yeah, and it felt natural and fun. You know, it was, and even though they have requirements, you know, to, they need to, obviously I need to hit points because I'm talking about something. But other than that, they understood like, oh, just let him do his thing and it'll be fun. And anything that I do involve myself that way, I'm, 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 I want my f f friends and fan, fans to know that I, I'm doing it because I'm into it. You know, I'm yeah. into doing it. Um, and certainly they can understand like, oh, he did this commercial for Firefox because probably it was good money, but also Firefox is kind of dope. They're, you know, they're, they don't take, they're still a private company and they still, uh, they don't, they're non, non-profit non yeah. and, uh, you know, and then they're working on privacy and all of that stuff. So I'm, I'm careful about what I, what I choose to work with. And certainly I'm not, not perfect, but that, I mean, the thing, the one thing that you have is the ability to, uh, do what you do naturalistically so that your audience tell, can tell that, oh, you're having fun. You're doing something you want to do. Even when you fuck up, at least you like, you went for something, you know, you tried for something. And, you know, in this climate with social media, it's like everybody's worried about be, every hit has to be perfect. Every yeah. post has to be perfect. You know, and that's like, I don't really give a fuck about that. To me, perfection is sincerity. Do you, do you have perfectionist tendency to want to... <laughs> Like I think we all do, right? Yeah, I think yeah. I think we all do. I think, but that comes from like whatever you're working on, how you see it in your head or how it feels to you. That the thing that you want to make, you like, oh, I have a feeling I want to make it, and I want it to feel like that on the outside as it felt on the inside. I think that that's for me. That's the perfectionist thing. I don't. Um, depending on what I'm doing, music, I can. You know, if I'm working on honing a sound or something in a studio, like I could definitely get a little bit you know, OCD about it. But I'm also the kind of person, if, if it starts to be feel too hard, I don't believe that art should be hard. And mm. as soon as I feel that it's starting to get hard, I'll just bail on the idea. And um, not totally, but I'll simplify it. So like if, for instance, if I'm filming something and the director is like, or the DP is like, uh, we need to fix this lighting or whatever. And like, how long is that going to take? Oh, it's going to take 
whatever, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, let's just, sh- let's just shoot it because the actors feel ready right now. The most important aspect to any project is the life, the, the living life aspect of it. So if there are technicalities, things that aren't quite perfect, if the sound isn't perfect or the lighting isn't perfect or someone bumped the camera or whatever, I like keeping that shit. I would rather keep that and keep the performance and figure out how to deal with it in post or just keep it as is. For me, I, I don't want production, whatever whatever medium you're working on, whatever the production aspect is to translating or transmitting the idea, don't let production slow down the ability for it to emerge because the freshness is really the thing that's important. Like if you have an idea, like, I mean, you know, you might not be into that idea next week. So yeah. you need to get it out. Like perfectionism it's more is a straight up art killer. Yes. Like you know, one week you're so excited, and you can literally plan yourself out of an endeavor. Yeah, you know, that's true. like when people are like, "Oh, I want to do this," or "I want to start my own podcast." I'm like, "Do it now. Do it yes. bad. Yes. Get some shitty mics and just do it really bad. Exactly. You're not going to want to do it in a month. Yes. Like you're completely right. That's the best piece of advice. I just like not only that, but you've got shitloads of other things to make. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, don't be precious about one thing. Like you're going to get hung up on one thing right now. That's going to like bum you out. And like, cause you spent one week too long on it. Like just have fun and make as much shit as you can, because the more you make, you're basically just, you're just trying to generate momentum. So the more you make, the more you practice making and in, and in making is a form of practice. So like the more you're making, you're just generating momentum, the better things will get get things will become refined over time because you're like, Oh, I don't need to do that next time. Oh, this time let's do this. Oh, that worked. Let, you know, if you're constantly doing that, then you're just going to get better really, really quickly. But as soon as you get hung up on like, well, I don't have the right pencil. It's an HB and I needed a two H, you know, and like, uh, you know, like whatever, or the tablet isn't right. It's not the right size and it's not this, or it's not that, or the lighting's wrong. Like you're going to drive yourself insane. And it has nothing to do with making what you want to make. You're like getting lost in some weird like obsession cycle. Yeah, I have that obsession cycle. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I do too. I do too. I just, you know, you have to like, once you start to get mesmerized, you have to slap yourself in the face and just go like, Jesus, just move on, you know? How do you like to interact with your with your artistry, like in terms of where you're drawing inspiration from? Do you do you have a, a strict practice where you're sitting down? every day to do something or do you just wait for the inspiration or what is your kind of dance with the the source or with your own creativity yeah i don't really practice i just um i just kind of yeah i just kind of let my i drag myself around by my schedule and uh and uh and in between i'm thinking things and i'm just always thinking about things or i'm making sounds or making you know beats or you know just like while i'm driving or i'm just walking around the house or i'm with friends uh i'm noticing things constantly all the time like oh what material is that made out of oh that's weird the way the light comes through the thing oh i never noticed that tree there before oh it's weird power lines are weird they're just up in the air you know like there's i'm constantly observing the environment around me or you know hearing things seeing things feeling things and those are all being processed and then when it comes to making stuff, when I'm improvising, those things that I've observed can come through in all kinds of ways. And to me, the pra- my practice is observation and experience. I think we're all like such codependent people pleasers, though. Like mm. I was thinking about, <laughs> you know, what we were talking about and like with the photographer, where it's like, hey, can you just do this? Mm-hmm. And like we want people to serve us what we want. You know, like I remember at the show I saw you at, 
Like it was like, oh no, his hair is up, man. I wanted to see the Reggie hair. Right, right. right. Like it yeah, wasn't yeah, yeah. the Reggie I wanted. Yeah, you know? right. Like, and that's just me calling me out on my own. You know, this isn't the routine I thought I was going to see. Yes. You know, yeah. but we're all so used to kind of getting served because people are constantly pandering to us that it is really refreshing to just kind of be like, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, and yeah. you might not like the burnt cigarette, but yeah. art, yeah. but I'm making it. Yeah, totally. And then, and then you respect, you're not respecting, well, you, you, you have a greater respect for your, it's a zoomed out perspective like it's better to be zoomed out when it comes to like someone that you really dig like instead of i mean sometimes obviously like i remember when air came out with moon safari that album and i was like wow this is crazy it's this is making me feel so weird like the whole album was very strange and dreamy and then i think the second album which was talkie walkie maybe um and it was such a different approach i was like nah because they because they were working with like major artists and things like that like obvious artists and uh and then I kind of lost it and that's definitely my fault but also the music just wasn't that great but the point is when when dealing with certain artists that you you don't know what to expect there's definitely like the cheesy version of it which is like which would be like a lady gaga like the most visible example like she's always changing she's her look is changing and now she's doing a country album and now she's doing oh my god she's you can't label this per, you know there's that and she's kind of cheesy in that way she's a perfectly nice individual but just artistically for me i'm like I, I see what you're doing and it's more like you're copying the people that were doing it naturalistically like David Bowie and David Bowie was just trying things because you could tell that he was being led by his curiosity and whatever he was doing was what he was doing because he was he was in collaboration with his creativity and he was in collaboration with other people who were also in collaboration with their creativity so it felt it felt genuine and sincere and uh, and you can always you can always tell that that difference or even in you know, pop stars that are in the machine or whatever. If you think about someone like Whitney Houston, you know, you know, minus the drug bullshit and all the terrible enablers around her, her art, what she produced, all of the songs that she produced, even though they were mainstream and they were pop songs, they were incredible. Her voice was the thing that transcended. And so there has to be something honest that survives the process, even if it's the most refined. That's why once in a while we'll get... Uh, a great move, I don't know, like something like The Usual Suspects or something like that, like just as a bad example of no other 90s references, but The Usual Suspects, it was like a very exciting movie. People were excited to see it and they saw it and it was a an incredible movie, incredible performances, a lot of budget behind it, but it was incredible. It survived because of the director and the writer. That vision, that central DNA survived the whole production system. That's the main factor. It's like, can... If you're gonna, if you decide as an artist to go into something that has a big budget, like you've leveled up or something, and like now you've got a big budget, don't fall for the the bells and whistles. So you got you got to stick to that. You got to protect that core idea, no matter what. And as soon as someone comes in and goes, well, maybe we could have the character have blonde hair because you know that's uh, it might be a little bit, you know, and you're just like, no, it can't can't have blonde hair. I see it. You got to trust what I see, and it's gonna be fine. I promise. You know, and that's it's happened to me so many times when. People are like, we can't do that because if we do that, then the continuity, you know, or even on the Late Late Show, <laughs> it's been like, oh, can you wear the different socks? Oh, you have a you had a different T-shirt on last time, and we're we're picking up uh, from a show that we shot last week, so we have to have continuity. I'm like, I'm like, okay, 
And then I forget the T-shirt, not on purpose, but I forget to wear the same T-shirt. I'm like, fuck. And then I'm like, you know what? I don't think people are going to care. And and sure enough, never Twitter mention, nothing. There's no mention of it. And I'm like, you have to, the priority has to be on the performance. It has to be on the source of the creativity. All the like, the production elements are always going to try to come in and do their job, which they're supposed to do their job. The person who's in charge of continuity is going to be like looking at the book going, oh shit, no, the cigarette was in the left hand. Depending on what you're making, you have to take that in mind. But if you're the, at the center of it, don't let those things get in the way. You just need to push through because the only thing that matters at the end of an experience is did it feel true or not? And did it add value to my thought? Or did it add a brief moment of escape or whatever? That's all that people really care about. This program, like it's been so hard to stay true to that because like one of it is we don't do ads. And everything's yeah. in person. Yeah. We have like no budget, you know? So it's yeah. like, I met Misty because I would just go on Instagram and be like, I'm going to LA. I need a couch to surf on. Yeah. You know? And Misty just said, you can surf on my couch, you know? And oh, that made the great. trip possible to come down here. And it's tough. Like when you say push through, like what, how did you manage to stay true to that? You picked the two like worst <laughs> likelihood to monetize careers right mm -hmm. comedy and music mm -hmm. <laughs> you're like a parent's nightmare like mm -hmm. what do you want to do uh well i don't want to be just a comedian and i don't yeah. want to be just a musician i want to do like some hybrid nobody's ever heard of mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh we'll, we'll figure out a way like yeah. how did how did you manage to stay true to that when it was hard to pay rent and when you were uh, feeling those kind of negative thoughts well i mean I, I attribute that to saying yes to a lot of things you know, I was always open to trying things out, you know, so if someone was like, you know, we need someone to, you know, uh, do music in the afternoon at a French restaurant or something like that, I'd be like, oh, I can do that. I could totally do that. You know, or say, hey, do you want to book this club for six months? Or like, yeah, I can do that. You know, or, uh, do you want to be in this uh, weird band? We got a, you know, weird gig in some small town in Washington. Like, oh, yeah, I, I could do that. You know, I was always saying yes. And. Luckily, I had some modicum of talent, so when I would say yes, and people would be like, oh, we really like that guy. It didn't take that long before people were like, oh, I want to use that guy. Oh, I want to use that guy. I want to use that guy, too. Oh, I want to use that guy. It's really just getting yourself out there, and hopefully you're good at what you do, and then and, and you're not an asshole that you're easy to work with. And so really that was my thing. I was just gaining as much experience doing as many jobs as I could and getting to know as many people as I could, and then I could I, I would rapidly integrate into systems, and that was kind of my you know, I view it as kind of a form of social hacking, but like it's a benevolent hack, but it's like just you can integrate very quickly into a system as long as you're willing to be helpful and you're open to trying out other things and uh, and you do them well when asked. Um, and at the same time, you know, I don't I was careful not to imprison myself in things too much like like, oh, you're in this band like, well, I'm I'm, I'm I'll am i play for a while. You know, like I was always a tentative factor, but people, you know, held on to it as much as they could. And, and I and I hung in there as long as I was having a good time. Not that I was going to abandon a project. I would let people know ahead of time. But but, um, you know, I, I was I'm always careful about does this feel right? Uh, I don't know. I don't like this. I'm out of here. You know, like uh, I'll try it. Oh, I don't know if I like this. And then, and then, of course, like you do that enough times, now you can actually be preemptive about your choices. Yeah. And like, oh, I met with these these folks. I saw some stuff that they're working on. I saw them live. I don't know. 
they're they're nice, but I don't think this is my kind of a thing. And then you start valuing your time, and then you know you start steering yourself in directions, and then suddenly you start manufacturing the things you want to you want to make. So in the beginning, I was just down to try shit and just be friends with people and be in scenes and be you know even now these days people are always like why are you why are you here you know I'll 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 I'll, I'll show up I you know I'm really big supporter of local music here and uh, run into some incredible artists over the last year and just I go out sometimes I'll just randomly go out to a club night I don't know who's playing I'll just go to a club and see who's playing and I'll discover an amazing band like what the hell and if you put yourself out there you know and and you're you're constantly looking for sources of inspiration um it's you 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 lead yourself to interesting situations but you got to put yourself out there but I love that when people are like well you don't need to be here it's like yeah it's true I don't need to be here and I never see any any of my friends at these nights you know um but I gotta go to the I got to go to the source, you know, I got to go to a, a shitty hole in the wall comedy show that has like people I've never even heard of, maybe one comedian that I've heard of and watch and see what's going on, you know, with comedy on that level. And, uh, you know, or go to the echo on a Tuesday night and just see a marquee with some strange band name on there and just walk in. And who are these guys? Like, I like, it's almost like if you're in a simulation and you're, uh, you know, it's an, it's a massive open world platform and you can go into any building you want when you understand you have the freedom to like, I can go to any store, any building, I can talk to any person, I can try anything. Um, what do I want to do right now? Like, it's that kind of a mentality instead of like, well, I'm just going to go back home and have my TV dinner or what, or whatever. Uh, it's like, you know what? Fuck that. I'm going to, I'm just going to make a detour. I'm going to go into that store that always annoys me when I go by and I'm like, what the fuck is that store? And I never go in the store, but I always say, what the fuck is that store? Every time I pass by it. Next time, I'm just going to pull the car over. I'm going to get out of the car. I'm going to go into the store and go, what is this store? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just yeah. get it over with. And so there's a lot of, there's a mixture of that and then a natural curiosity to be involved, to show support that even though I have a more visible platform these days, that I I don't forget where I came from. You know, I, I don't want to forget where I came from because that's where my energy, that's protecting the source of creativity. That's part of it. Like never lose that. Cause I have a lot of friends that I can tell they're, they're, yeah, I used to do this. I used to do that. And I can tell that they are a little disconnected from it, which is totally fine. They're still making incredible art, but I'm like, yeah, but sometimes you gotta, you gotta get out there. You gotta, yeah. you gotta see where you were back a while ago. Remember that stuff. It's so easy to get locked into stuff, locked into obligations, locked yeah. into, you know, like, to just hear you talk about life like an open world video game. Yeah. Like even I was just like, man, I haven't ever walked, you know, thought about out there as some video game, you know, where it's yeah. like just just pure exploration. Yeah. And it's also weird to hear like just uh, you running just from an intuitive level of like, oh, that doesn't feel right. You know, I was in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I remember when I was in a very like sexually ex- explorative phase of my life and that's how it was it's like yeah we're just gonna try this and see if it feels right right uh but with with art and with with life it's 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 hard especially when rent has to get paid and so it's yeah that's the other thing i mean i will say that the following your gut i mean you have to you have to weigh i always well i go by something that i i guess it's cheesy but i call it like the trinity but it's like you have you have money exposure and fun those are the three ingredients. So basically two, you have to have two of the three, 
in order to make a decision whether you want to do it or not. And so for me, it's unless one is overwhelming. So if it's just purely fun and you know everybody and you're like, I, I just want to have fun because that's really kind of the lead one. Um, and then I'll do it, you know, but but going with your gut and choosing things based off of your intuition leads you to manifest more opportunities that are more in line with what you want. So and but at the same time, like if there's a money gig and it's not quite optimal, but you need to pay rent, then choose the money gig. Yeah. You know, like get pay pay your rent. Don't go into debt. Don't do that thing where like artists are like, no, it's like it's I can't. I can't because it's not part of my code, you know, or whatever. And you're like so hardcore about it that you're like, I can't. Do <laughs> I'm at it. risk to be that guy. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Just like you got to also you got to zoom out because you're too zoomed in at that point. You're yeah. like, no, it's about the code, you know. And then you zoom out and you're like, no, it's about paying rent. It's about not falling behind on your insurance payments or whatever, you know. That was like the one thing I knew that I was a little bit of a space case. But as soon as I started making a little bit of money, I told my managers, I was like, I half of my income has to go to getting out of debt. And I didn't have a lot of debt. It was like 12 grand or something like that. But I, for a year I worked on it and got out of debt. And that was like the one thing. And then I was like, I need to have like people who are watching um, what I'm spending, you know, just making sure my bills are being, I never want to be in debt again. That's my primary function as an artist. Don't be in debt. And if you are in debt because you take a loan out or whatever, because you want to like do a piece of art, that's one thing that's, that's, you know, you have to weigh that and go like, I just need to get this thing out because I need something to be out there so that other people can see what I can do. And then that'll generate more interest and opportunity. That's one thing. But in general, choose the thing that's going to get you, uh, to keep you free immobily throughout your life, you know, because you can always make shit for cheap. Like you were just saying, you've got a phone in your pocket, you've got a full studio in your pocket. You can do everything. You can make videos, you can do audio stuff, you can do whatever. It's totally possible. People do make things for with much less. So the idea that you need shitloads of stuff to make things is just, it's just BS. It's like the, it's just extra. If you can afford it and if it comes your way, use it, you know, it's a great story, though. You know, yeah. ah, I can't do it because I don't have this. I know. Like, yeah, we don't have a the codec. Uh, we don't have the right codec. Uh, how do you visualize your source? Like when you say protecting the source, I just I love the way people kind of interact. You know, it's like you have Christians who who visualize their God, mm -hmm. or you have people who visualize the universe when they're manifesting. But mm -hmm. like, what's your when you're interacting with that? that spirit of yours, that like creative spirit of yours, like how do you see it? You know, I don't know. It's more of a feeling like I just kind of, it's kind of like listening, you know, it's like you just get big ears, you know, and you just listen and start. It's like I start and as if I make a noise or if I, yeah, it's just like, it's the, it's really the, the act of starting. If I start, then the next thing will kind of fall into place, but I need to kind of begin with something so it's either a noise or it's an action or it's a movement and then uh you know that starts something and i can tell if if it's a live situation people are like watching me start something and then i i'm open to like what's next and something else will kind of fall into place and then i add that and i add that and then uh, and that's why looping can really help musically because once i start a beat the beat's going and i'm like oh what is that beat sound like or was it what kind of a baseline would go with that beat and then the baseline kind of falls in and so it all it all just kind of cascades uh into being and then i just have to keep my ears open and by ears i mean like all the senses like they're just i have to keep my listening at a maximum 
and then just allow things to happen and steer along the way a little bit, but um, just kind of allow it to happen. Of course, if, if that connection isn't as strong, then I have to kind of build harder things and in, in real time, you know, like other things that I know work or, or I'm going to do this thing over here until I can reconnect. It's like bu- buffering, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, I don't no, I don't think it looks like anything. It just more like feels like something. And then there's probably visual elements, but they're so, they're so quick and so fast. I can't really see them necessarily. Um, they're just ideas that appear and like, I'm like, Oh, that would be funny. You know? So yeah. you're kind of like having a conversation with the great collective consciousness, whatever you want to call it, God, gods, that's all the same shit. But like, um, whatever that is, like you kind of have a conversation with that, your self, non-self, if you will, and in a buffer space that exists outside of time. And then those ideas are then being crafted and perceived in real time by the audience. But really you're kind of a little bit ahead by a few nanoseconds, but that's enough time to make decisions before unleashing them. I love that. Yeah. Big ears. Yeah. This is how I like to end the program. Okay. And um, thank you for your time, by the way. Of course. My pleasure. If I could hand you my phone right now and just slide it across to you mm. and you pick up and there's a, a kid, like a young artist, and could be a younger version of yourself mm. who's struggling. Maybe he doesn't feel nurtured or he feels like he doesn't have the right stuff, but he has that calling. He know you know, he at least knows that he's supposed he's here to create stuff. Yeah. And bring things from the imaginal world into the physical world. What's the message you would want to tell your younger self to become the man who you are today? Or that that kid that you know mm. that kid we're imagining. Just a, a quick message to help him or her along the way. Yeah. Uh I would say uh just believe believe in yourself and believe in the things that you see and never let anybody tell you that that's wrong you gotta fight for that that's the fight thanks for your time of course (laughs) yay That's it for today's episode. Don't forget, before you leave, this is an audience-funded program. Go to patreon.com slash howtohuman. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash howtohuman. Listen to the episodes early, ask a question, become a part of the community. I need you guys. It's lonely here. I'd love your feedback on episodes before they come out. But also... You can leave us a review on iTunes. And don't forget, if you'd like to hear from more of the guests or like to see what they're up to, I include all their social media and website links in the show notes, which is just the episode description. Thanks for tuning in to the How to Human podcast. Tell your friends.